Namaste, Namaskar, good morning to all of you. So welcome to our 15th edition of the Qualitist Show. You know, we've started this 15 months ago and every month we've been interviewing distinguished qualitists. We select that qualitist and then have a conversation. So thank you for being with us all these months and we continue to expect your patronage. We, we thrive on it. So please send us any kind of encouragement and feedback. So without further ado, let me bring in my partner in crime, Anshuman. Good morning once again. And here we are. Good morning. For the 15th time. Yeah, fantastic. For the 15th time. time, time, time and not we, bad. Always, <laughs> we show is getting better than the earlier one. With, of course, yeah. a lot of help from and the we, guests. And from, from, yeah, the guests, exactly. Not us. We, we've been, I think, horrible. Yeah. We, we are pretty much doing the same thing, Balaji, but let's not tell anybody, you know. So uh, this year we will have our guest online. Balaji and I are delighted that we can interview him. The, many of the guests that we have seen in this series are consultants or coaches for large global organizations or are healthcare professionals of late because that's been a focus of the Kimpro Foundation, healthcare and education. But there is a large, large world outside of the large corporations that we see, the small, middle-scale sector, which needs a lot of quality help. And not many people have been investing their lives. Or the quality of the quality of the consulting available there is not of very high quality, must say. But there is one person whom I have been tracking for over for 13, 14 years now. And Balaji also knows him for quite a long time now. And so the guest today and I were on the 40 under 40 list in 2010, I think. Yeah. So he'll correct me. I'm sure he's a quality professional to the core. So he'll correct <laughs> me. Oh, but we were on the, yeah, together on the 40 under 40 in global quality list in 2010. So that gives away our age a little bit, but at our age, you know, who's hiding our age. So no problem with that. <laughs> so a little bit about Nithil. Um, so Nithil Daveri is founder of uh, Concept Business Excellence, a leading consulting firm in operational and business excellence area. He's now recently appointed vice chair of the ASQ India section, which is a new section, by the way, ASQ is American Society for Quality. Very passionate business excellence professional, as you may have seen or understood from my introduction his client list is over 1200 organizations so that itself deserves huge applause he's a mechanical engineer and several qualifications or certifications from asq and similar bodies including master black belt business excellence examiner and and many others right so but the reason he is here is not these certifications the reason he is here is because he is able to use these certifications for the betterment of industry in general and he's so he's completed an operational management course from IM Bangalore. So over the years, many accolades and has been very active in industry circles as well through CII, PICI, ACMA, and so on. Everything that I said, many of you and I and Balaji might either have received in our career or might do in our career. The one thing that is extremely unique is that Nitin Zavari is one of the few people in our profession, who received an accolade and a signed letter by now Prime Minister of India, Srinathan Modi, when he was Chief Minister in Gujarat. So that achievement is, you don't get those letters by just hanging around. The, there is a lot of work that goes into getting that kind of recognition. So for that and that loan, Nithal deserves to be on the show. And of course, there's a lot more. 
Any opening comments from you? Thank you, Anshuman, and thank you, you know, Kimpro. And, you know, I'm, yeah, one of the things which I just wanted to correct is that it was in 2011, November, quality month when we were declared as, you know, the 40 under 40. There are three Indians, you, me, and Dr. Imanshu Trivedi of Bosch Rexroth. Oh. You know, I think that was a very good, uh, beautiful memory that I have actually. I would like to just, you know, share my experience. I have been lucky actually, you know, and as you mentioned, I, I feel I'm lucky because I mean, I was able to visit, you know, all this 1200 plus organizations. That itself is a huge, huge learning for me actually. And even if I have not given to them anything, I have taken so many things from them actually. And that has, you know, helped me a lot actually. So I'm just sometimes transferring good ideas from one company to another companies, you know. <laughs> so yeah, thank you. Thank you on that. And that is very humble of you. And now that you say, I now remember that Nirma University session where Himan yeah. your talk and I were together. And at that time we did take a picture. So good, good memory. It also shows that we've all been at this path of quality for many years. And we need many more people to be on this path and to be... To make quality the profession that everybody should follow. Yes. And that's the whole reason, Nithal, that the whole quality series is there. We want to bring successful, distinguished qualities like yourself to inspire and, and, and we are the, another generation. And of course, our own generation as well. We are not done yet, right? So, Why? <laughs> yeah. so, I think you are doing a great job of bringing everybody together and spreading this voice of quality. And of course, you will be very, very happy on behalf of Kimpro Foundation and grateful as well that if you can share these shows amongst your quality colleagues, friends, and so that the word can spread out. We do want that to happen. So... We have a series of a few questions prepared and then we'll get into the audience questions. Nita. That is the formula yeah. of the show. So yeah. without further ado, let's get into the show. So first yeah. of all, since I have the mic, I have the privilege. So you are today, of course, a distinguished politist, you know, very accomplished in your field and we wish you well for many more accolades. But you've arrived at a, I would say, prestigious position in the quality world and being a distinguished featured qualityist itself, is, is in a way a reflection of that. But this is not how it started, right? So it, it, where did you start? How did you get into quality? For some of us, it has been an accident. For some others, it was very well planned. What is your story quickly? And if towards the end, you can also include how you got in touch with Mr. Lula and Kinto. That would also be a good connection. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Yeah. So actually, you know, I if, uh, if I have to tell you my story of how I got into this field of quality. So this is actually in four parts, actually. So it actually started from my childhood. My father was working with a Japanese company throughout maximum of his career. He has spent in a Japanese company called Panasonic. Earlier it was called Novino. You know, they used to manufacture batteries and, and it is now in the name of Panasonic. It is still there. And so when I was a kid, actually, you know, my father always used to discuss quality at home also because it was a Japanese company and a lot of stories like they used to do always, you know, morning prayer, morning exercise. There was no cap, uh, there was no cabin, there was no pune in that, that company, actually, by the way, you know, in that time, actually, even chairman had no pune, actually. So even chairman had to take a water, he has to, you know, stand up and get the water. So he used to keep on telling us those stories. We used to get one, you know, every year we, in the month of December, we used to get a new year calendar in advance. And in the back page of that calendar was, you know, we have to do this sum. 
crayoning or some coloring or something like that. And the theme was always good housekeeping, quality, you know, and thumb stuff like that. I never knew that that, you know, crayoning and all those things. And when we used to submit this at the annual day, we used to get some prize. But in a way, you know, they were trying to impose some quality thoughts into us, actually. And that I realized now, actually. So that is from, that are the seeds of quality in, you know, you know from the childhood. When I started working as an engineer in the, my first company, because my father used to talk about quality circles and all that in those days. So I also told that company that, you know, my company that, you know, Japanese companies do these quality circles. We should also do this. And I initiated those quality circle and it was successful, you know. So, so that is how I got again, uh, you know, some, I would say, you know, interest into this quality field actually. Later on, I quit that company. I worked in industry only for six years, you know, and then the comp the, the, we used to have a consultant who used to help us for quality management system and he offered me that do you want to be partner with me then we can start a new consulting so i become a consultant at the age of 28 only and many people think and they tell me that you are so lucky that you started your consulting at the age of 28 actually so otherwise most of the people think of consulting as a career after retirement actually i mean 90 percent plus people actually so again there also i was lucky because i could start my consulting at early stage and uh, yeah, and then in 2010 was a one major breakthrough because I was sent to Japan by government of India in a one program called, you know, uh, a study mission on Asian countries on quality. So National Productivity Council, somehow they sent me and it was a government sponsored program to Japan to study what are some of the practices happening in Japan. And that was again, like, you know, I was in the field of quality. My first country uh, overseas I visited is also Japan, actually. That was also a very good coincidence, actually. And I was really, you know, whatever I have read in the books, learned, and I could see it practically implemented over there, actually, in their day-to-day -day life, in the industries that we visited. And after visiting that, you know, in Japan, I thought I should, you know, learn more, actually. And then that is how I came, came in touch with this RBNQA, you know, IMC RBNQA. And there I met Dr. Suresh Lula. And the same year, I also joined ASQ, American Society for Quality, and started playing active part in, you know, promoting quality and understanding quality. Yeah, so this is, you know, one very good uh, memory that I have. And the last I would like to mention is that in 2015, again, I had another very good learning opportunity because I was invited by ASQ, American Society for Quality in World Quality Conference as a judge. So again, that was also very, uh, you know, uh, interesting experience because a lot of companies used to present their case studies and how they build quality culture, how they solve the quality problems. It was overall, you know, very, very encouraging. And I also feel sometimes that I'm lucky that I got into this field, actually. Thanks to my father, I would say that I'm in this field, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a little story of my quality journey. Totally awesome, Nitel. You know, the, I, I've, I've never heard this, that, you know, the, uh, you as a sketchbook and playbook and that. Yeah. You know, this, is, you know, <laughs> this is a message ah, to all ah. companies which do these kind of programs that please continue yeah. to do this kind of program because you might get a gem like Nitel of those kind of exercise. So, so very interesting one. Thank you very much. Yeah. Alaji, over to you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Neetal sir, when listening to how you got into qualities, talking about your previous generation, you know, something parallel, even my father used to work for a Japanese company. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this was show, show electric. Okay. Uh, but of course, I, I was too small to even, like you said, to talk about these things. But in 1980, when, you know, when Deming was rediscovered in, in, in America, and then there was a big reinterest in the field of quality, then people started visiting our home, you know, because Japanese, Japanese, and uh, then I used to hear him tell stories. So even my introduction to quality was, I think, a subconscious thing rather than something that yeah. happened later. But amazing. Very, very, very nice to hear this and how you built upon it. Because we all get exposed to this, but how you build upon it is, is how you react to it is and respond to it is really important. So that was amazing. One of the major things that, you know, when, when I was reading about what you had done and is, is your a major work with, you know, MSME. Because people, that, that's where everything actually needs to be reformed, if you take a look at, because the big guy, the big people, yeah, you know, the awareness is there, but they are dependent a lot on the MSMEs to get the work done. So uh, you're doing a lot of work there. So any any of the, over the years, any of the quality practices or, you know, some things that you, some some epoch-making events or some some, maybe some things that you saw maybe adapting and adopting over there that you could share with us that we from other other domains can really pick up anything over the years that you saw that you would like to, you know, tell the audience? Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for asking this question because, you know, most of the time, as Anshuman also mentioned, when it comes to concepts like this, you know, usually there is a mindset that people think that it is only applicable to large-scale industries and corporates and companies like those. And SMEs, uh, you know, it's really difficult because it is not possible. They have a lot of other issues and stuff like that. So we have been working with a lot of SMEs and we have seen some very good success stories. In fact, I would like to just mention one very good success story, which is uh, so a small electrical component manufacturing company. And the owner was so passionate about quality and then, you know, we wanted to create the infrastructure and create a culture of quality actually. And we worked with them for around four years actually. Now, after four years, what has happened is that even some multinational companies, you know, they called us and they said, we want to give you a consulting assignment, but we don't, we want references. And then they said, okay, I have these references of multinational companies that we have worked with. And they said... No, we don't want your references of multinational companies. We want your references, the companies which were small and you have, you know, built the quality into those companies. So I said, yeah, I have one case study. Can you just visit this company? And then one of the representatives visited that small company. So they have around 150 employees only. So when this representative visited, he was so surprised that this is also possible in, in a small and medium enterprises. And he, could, he went back. The next week, the entire senior team of that company visited. They say, we also want to see this company, actually. So that was one very good privilege for us, actually. Now, see what happens in, you know, small and medium enterprises is basically the owners, uh, we have to work, first of all, with the owners and change their mindset or, you know, or tell them about, you know, they come to us, they come to us and they say, we want to do 5S, we want to do 6 six, we want to do team. And we say, why you want to do them? My first question is always, why you want to do this? Just because your competitor has done something, you should not do it actually. So why, what is the purpose? What is it that is, that is you know, driving you actually? 
and we we uh, we work we discuss with them and we you know kind of bring out some very good you know intent for doing all these things for the long term rather than just looking at you know well, this as some of the tools also we emphasize that they should not just focus on tools but they should actually focus on i would say you know culture building for quality improvement that's where they will actually so tools may be temporary but culture will remain there actually. So how do we over a period of time, you know, engage and uh, improve improve the culture in the organization? So we always focus on purpose over plan. We always focus on engagement over involvement. I always say this, you know, that there are three things actually. One is that people are, you know, if you, if you are in a meeting, you are sitting over there and you are not speaking, you are just, you know, in, in, involved actually. When you're speaking something in the meeting, you are participating. But when you are doing something together with your team, you are engaging. So what we want is engagement of the people at every level. And we, in all our, most of our assignments, we ensure that even senior people also, they are engaged uh, in doing certain activities on the shop floor. For example, in some of the small companies, we have forced, uh, not forced, I would say, but we have convinced the top management to clean the shop floor, actually. You know, not every day, but at least on periodically. And we, we, we have also given some areas which are being owned by those owners rather than the operators, actually. And those companies, you know, the turnaround has been really phenomenal and fantastic. So purpose over plan, engagement over involvement and practice over preaching. We don't encourage them to put a lot of boards and a lot of slogans on wall about quality and vision and mission and all those things. They have to reflect, you know, ultimate certificate or ultimate prize on quality is given by your customer. You know, that's, that's the, I mean, that's, that's very, it's very simple to understand, but most of the companies, they don't, you know, they don't realize it still. So they keep, you know, putting posters and stuff like that. So these are the things that we usually, you know, work, implement with the small and medium enterprises. And yeah, I mean, we don't have hundred percent success, but we have a lot of good case studies, which, you know, others have also seen and then they are also trying to adopt actually. Yes. So that is, that is what I think I would like to just mention for the small and medium enterprise owners actually. Wow. Anshuman, a lot to write and not to write. Yeah, absolutely. I was making furious notes and uh, yeah, I could see that. And there's so much we just, we just captured. I mean, the purpose over the plan, we hope. You always talk about these things, you know, that uh, why are you doing something? Why are you more than just what are you trying to do? And then uh, we're talking about getting people, people getting to enjoy what they're doing. So engaging them. And then of course the practice, I, I love that, that, you know, you, you take this up and do it yourself. I remember even when we were implementing 5S in our company, Shuman, you know, Mr. Ramchandran, Abhi Ramchandran. Yeah. And, uh, I took him through the shop floor, you know, telling, showing him very proudly what we had done. And then when we came back to his cabin, he had not said a word. He had not said a single word. I said, sir, something, you know, I said, I wanted to even be sarcastic, but something. He said, you know what, Balaji, I came to the office early today and I dropped a piece of paper on the floor. I want you to find. That was enough for me to figure <laughs> out what this man wanted from me. You know, and. When, when I found it, you know, I, 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 there were footmarks on that. That means people had come and gone, but yeah. nobody had picked it up. So I'll never forget that, that morning in my life, you know, so that it reminded me, Nital Saab, when you just said that, that 
Because this is one of the things I think many people watching this should know that it begins with, with, with the top people, you know, and if they do it themselves, you can see that engagement comes in and they themselves feel good about it. They also feel that there's some, some kind of commitment. I mean, yeah. amazing. Very, very, very nice. Yes, Anshuman, please take it example. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was also reminded of one. So I spent some of my early career in manufacturing and similar. Most of my clients were in the manufacturing that time. And I still remember one instance where I was initially very impressed with this huge board on the shop floor. <laughs> Everything was printed and it used to look very nice. And every visit I would try and read it. And then I saw that there was a, I had taken a control chart class with them in about two months ago. So then there was this, and for those who in the audience are not familiar with control chart, control chart is a statistical tool where you plot performance of your process over a period of time. So this control chart was printed and then it struck me that what is <laughs> beautiful is actually useful because you don't print control chart. You, you plot, I, my view of that particular organization and that department and the function completely changed. And it was also a rude reminder to me that my control chart lesson had completely failed because I had not included how to use control charts in that session. So. It was also a reminder to me that my training class was not very successful because I had certainly taught them what is the control chart. They had plotted it correctly. All that was fine. <laughs> but how about taking a pencil and plotting it on a daily basis instead of printing it? What is the point? And you are wasting, of course, paper, pen, paper, ink, printer, everything. So <laughs> I couldn't help but remember my early consulting days. So thank you very much. And talking of early days brings me to my next question as well. So you are still very young, Nithil. We will not push you, though we have dropped a hint early in this session on our ages. <laughs> so if 10, 13 years ago we were both under 40, then there is a strong hint there. So, um, but question we had, Paraji and I had was, assuming you met your younger self or you meet somebody who now wants to get into quality, what would your advice be from a career, learning, lessons, anything that you may want to give in a capsule to a younger person or to a younger Neetal as such? Yeah. Okay. Interesting, actually. So I think, you know, if you, I just, just recollect that my, one of my favorite quality book is the handbook of Juran actually on quality. And in the section five of that book, you know, Juran has written given one statement actually he says the best business to be in is quality <laughs> it's a quality business <laughs> <laughs> and that is that is one of the very powerful statement by juran actually and he says there is no recession in this field actually you know yeah. because i you know there is always a scope of improvement in quality actually so my advice is definitely quality is a very good career. You know, unfortunately in our country, we don't have specific courses. We have, you know, people are coming into the field of quality. They are either some other mechanical engineers or electrical engineers or some other stream and then they get into quality. So they learn usually quality like, you know, Anshuman, you, me and, you know, Alaji have learned actually. So there is no formal education on quality. Of course, some of the universities and colleges have started an attempt actually but it is at a very early early stage actually 
but quality is a great career i know and i most of the time i interact with young you know students also in say various colleges they say you know they think quality means inspection that is a problem i think <laughs> if i go into the quality field i will have to pick up some instrument or i will have to go into the laboratory and do some kind of testing you know that's the that's the job of the quality but actually they have to understand that it is not actually the job of the quality so if any young person who is thinking about you know quality career actually think about you know, quality improvement as a career you can start with quality function but you can you can ultimately go into the area of how can we improve the quality and if you can learn those tools techniques and those philosophies then you will be never having any you know any trouble in your career you know and not only that you have to be in the quality department to improve quality i mean in any field you can you, know, you are maybe not in quality function you are in any other function but still uh, maybe sales or maybe supply chain or maybe any other function but still you know the quality improvement learnings are you know are essential actually because you know when you look at your processes when you look at the results that you achieve you will find that there are a lot there are always gaps actually so quality improvement is definitely a great you know career i would say don't think of just inspection means quality as a career actually and dr philip crossby also said you know the system of quality is improvement actually so that is the only you know, and the four absolutes of quality so uh, huge opportunities available and uh, i think people should think about this as and now as you also know many companies are having a dedicated department for qi quality improvement they may name it differently like opex department or business excellence department but they need people actually and they don't find people actually so there are huge opportunities available i think i was reminded like when you were saying till that you know how getting into quality and we interview quite a lot of people and we often find that while we have jobs in quality we don't find quality of quality professionals good enough there is inherent i would say crisis currently going on that while there is a very strong demand for quality professionals the availability is limited and often poor and also sadly many professionals i interview at least and i do quite a bit are stuck in 15 years of concepts you know so don't want to grow and learn and if you ask a question what have you added to your toolkit in the last 15 years nothing so that's a that's a very stark reminder and to you and the show we all want to remind everybody on the in the audience and anybody who will watch this show as a as a recorded show later on as well that the quality of the quality profession is in our hands as qualitists or future qualitists or potential qualitists we must improve our game and make this wonderful profession even more robust and and worthy of what it should it, it is you know like the legacy of dr jayan and and deming and other leaders is in our hands really so yeah. 50 years from now people will not remember the contribution of these stalwarts if we don't do our part Um, you know, thank you for the reminder, Nitil. And it's not often that we get to this point in the show with such a strong comment. But we have some questions coming in. But what we'll do, Balaji? Maybe you proceed with your question, and then then we'll dive into some of this. Yeah, sure. 
In fact, my question is just an extension of what you just spoke of. Yeah. Things have changed so much. And Anjuman just said, yeah, uh, what, how the quality uh, profession began and what it is now. You know, sometimes I have this uh, imaginary thought that what if Walter Schumacher were to resurrect himself now, would he be happy with what he's seeing right now? Have we really taken this field where maybe he attended? I think one of the things where I think we've made a lot of progress, especially since the internet has taken us, has linked us all together, is that information is now available everywhere. It be uh, instead of having averages and things like this, we can actually get the actual data and the second at which it, you know, things happen, the transactions. And, but then again, the, the way we look at the data, I think that is going to determine the difference between success and failure, right? And what yeah, conclusions right. we draw. So what, what, what's your view or what do you think is going to be the future? Because you just said that you see things from the past and, you know, people are mis- having a lot of misconceptions about it. But what do you see the future now? Like, where do you think we're headed? And uh, what do we need to, are there any areas of focus that you would like to raise a flag on that, you know, you feel that this is going to be the next big thing, uh, you know, and, and how, how do we need to take this forward? Like Anjuman just said, we have a, we have a huge legacy and we need to take it forward. So how? How would you, anything yeah. that you, that comes to your mind? Yeah. So, yeah. So I think future of quality will be definitely, as we all know, now there is a term that we are also using called quality 4.0, like industry 4.0. There will be like another version also where, you know, now you also see that a lot of places we are, you know, using this uh, technology, IIoT and Internet of Things. And that is being used in quality also nowadays, actually. And that is helping, you know, leaders and engineers to detect uh, the quality issues, actually. But I think most of the technology that we have today, uh, even uh, advanced technology, you know, we see in, in, in the quality is mainly helping you to detect the quality. So still we are, we have just, you know, automated the detection process we have still, I would say, um, we are, we are, of course, some places we are still interlinking it with other things, but it will take some time. But currently what I see is just we have a sophisticated inspection with the technology. And that is going to be, of course, that is also very useful because, you know, we, it will help us to take quick decisions. But, you know, I think the principles and basics will remain the same, you know, even in future also. So the improvements will have to be done by the people. So there is no alternative to that. So quality improvement will have to be done by the people. And of course, there is now a lot of aid or a lot of, you know, technology available to help them. There is, because of all this new technology, I think consistency is also, you know, definitely going to improve but one of the fundamental thing which is going to happen is i think you know is is quality by design because most of the companies now in future their problem of checking the quality will be easy their problem of reporting the quality status will be easy so that is fine but how do you build quality how do you design the quality that is going to be one very important area that most of the organizations in future will have to work actually so, yeah, that is my take on this, actually, future of quality. Wow. So, it's processing the information. So, detection and capturing and collating information has become much better than what yes. we started out with. I remember the first yes. time when we had to capture data, we had to take an actual table and sit in front and note it down. But like you said, it's being captured almost instantaneously and reported to the place of relevance very easily. 
But what's happening after that is, you know, is a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> and before that also. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is the data to be captured? Remember the first thing that Dr. Yeah. Jiran said? What do you want to control? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it all yes. begins from that. Choosing the yeah. control subject. Exactly. Anyway, wow. Amazing. Yes, Anshuman. I think you have some yeah. sort of questions by now. Yeah, we have some questions by now. This question is coming from Vipin Vedinathan, who's a quality professional out of, based out of the Middle East. Okay. And his question is, do you believe that SMEs are small and medium enterprise? are more receptive and responsive to advice and from excellence consultants like yourself in comparison to large corporations. Loaded question, but uh, Nithal, over to you. <laughs> it is, when you want to sell, it's, uh, again, you know, the most difficult thing to sell is quality and the improvement. You know, Anshuman, you, me, Balaji, and we all have seen, you know, in our, whether you are in the organization, we are outside the organization. It doesn't make any difference whether you are inside the organization or outside, you know, whether you are consultant. But selling quality, selling and improvement, improvement will benefit is always difficult because you are all talking about future, you know, and you can't show anything immediately, you know, any hardly any cases you can show something immediately. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it is very difficult to, you know, convince the top management. But when we see, when we can showcase the case studies, that has happened with other industries. When we create, show them some benchmark, which other industries have uh, done actually, then definitely they are inclined to this kind of ideas. When But we have to talk the business language actually. So if you don't talk the business language, they are not interested actually. So yesterday only I was giving, day before yesterday, I was giving a training on cost of quality. How do you measure? So we had a one-day workshop on how do you measure cost of quality. And it was surprising that the quality department is just reporting quality in first. They are measuring in percentage of confirming and something like that. But never tried to convert this into business language actually. And when I asked some simple questions, so for example, this is a chemical company, small chemical company. And they say, you know, we quality lab person says, we give them, we take the sample. First time it is not okay. After some time, second time they give sample and it is okay. Then I said, okay, what happens between these two first and second sample? What do they do? Do they make any change in the process? Or it becomes, becomes right just like that. He said, no, no, they do something. <laughs> what they do? They say they may be doing some agitation extra. They may be adding some material. And so it is all poor cost of poor quality. Just calculate the cost of this actually. It's huge. They say we want, we are actually, we have accept with deviation. So we accept some products in chemical without, with, with deviation. And said, okay, finished product. And then what happens to those products? They said, no, we sell. We have a customer. I said, okay, but are you getting the same price that you were supposed to get? They said, no. And what is the difference? Say this, you just calculate this in money and then talk to your directors. They'll be definitely interested in quality improvement. They'll say, keep everything aside first, do this. So, of course, all the quality professionals must learn the language of business. Without language of business, you can't sell quality. Very early in my career, Nithil, I was at that time working for a uh, small, you know, medium scale, small and medium kind of auto component manufacturer. And right in front of my eyes, one lot was actually rejected. Okay. And so the obvious thing, and I was very junior, so but the obvious thing for the quality department was to stop the shipment. And the head of operations actually said that we can't stop this shipment because this is for India's largest automobile company. I 
I was very junior. I said, all the more reason, if it is for the largest and best automotive <laughs> company, all the more reason it should not go. Yes. And I still remember that it was shipped. And that is one of the first lessons I learned in quality that how you can talk anything about quality, but when the crunch time come, your behavior will decide the culture of the organization. Right. The culture of the organization was anything but quality or anti-quality, mainly because every now and then, one such incident will happen, which will completely neutralize three, six months, one year of hard work from our department. Right. Right. I did learn a lesson that when I get to these positions where I am in the position to take a call like this or to influence a decision like this, I will not do this. And uh, all my life, till career, till now, I've been trying to live up to that uh, promise that uh, not again. And, and the cost of that thing was that we had yeah. to act. And obviously, the customer fought very quickly because the first lot itself, 10, 12 lot, the pieces, three or four, and in automotive line, even one phase, they would reject the whole lot. So yeah. we had to actually send top our production. We had to send all the workers from this, put in a bus and send it to the customer side. They took the whole lot, inspected every single piece of the entire lot on a jig that we had to send with them. And imagine the cost. It was our two-day production was stalled. Workers had to be sent there, paid extra. A huge reputation loss. After that, for six months, we were put on some kind of a watch list because our lot had failed. Yeah. So our customer did not want to take any risk with us and so on. But yeah, so I just got reminded of a quality story uh, anecdote that <laughs> is on the other side, the, the anti-quality yeah. story. And sometimes those stark examples are easier to remember. One more, uh, this is interesting from Neeraj on YouTube. After all this year, Nithal, how do you define quality and what is the meaning of it to industry? Over to you. Balaji and I are leaving the show. <laughs> it's a very smart question. And Neeraj, thank you very much. It's a challenge that I will pass on to Neeraj. Yeah, very difficult to confine a few words actually. But I think, you know, the the, the, the quality is basically, it's, it's a mindset actually. It's the attitude that you possess actually. If I have to define quality, it will take maybe few pages or several pages because I can't do this in one or two sentences actually. But definitely one of the things which is very important is what I think is that quality has to be built into the design. That's my whole you know idea because most of the places I see people are just focusing on detection and doing the corrective actions. I think quality has to be built into the product and not inspected. That is one very important definition that I would like to, you know, just mention. How do you identify in the beginning, you know, how do you take some kind of preventive actions rather than just detecting and correcting the things actually. So that that's I, that's how I would like to answer this question. Neeraj, I hope you got the response and thank you for your question. Vikram has an interesting question. Producing quality has two parts. First to control and then to improve it. For controlling, we can use control charts for process behavior. And But how to use them, improve them continuously. So Vikram, I will maybe take a shot at this and then we will invite Nikhil to take this view. And, and Balaji, feel free to add to this. So, so Vikram, first of all, I think Dr. Jaran did teach us that, you know, quality management or management of quality as Hitoshi Kume has said, it's not quality management, it is management of quality. That quality is actually three stages, you know. So you set the standard, 
you control and then you improve so which is popularly called durand trilogy so a little bit of a lecture here but durand trilogy is the one of the most fundamental principles similar to pdca and other very core concepts in quality which it will be good for you to read up a little bit but your question is fairly accurate that there are parts to quality you first set the standard and then you go ahead and improve and process our control charts are used to look at the behavior you can use control charts for improvement as well because it will be a visible demonstration of your improved process so the usage of control chart will not improve your process you will do something to the process which will then be reflected in the control chart so yeah, you know drive yeah drive yeah, the control, control chart is yeah exactly i'm putting thermometer in your mouth <laughs> you do something for your temperature to go down and then the temp- thermometer tells you that the temperature indeed has gone down and not only today tomorrow also and day after tomorrow also and for many weeks as well so if you use that principle then certainly any of these tools even control tools are extremely good for improvement cycle because they are a reflection of your improved process so vikram that would be my answer but we have two professors in the call so i'll leave it to <laughs> no actually you know it, it's unfortunate that the water should have recorded the control chart because he said had he had enough time to reflect you would have recorded something else because when he presented it for the first time to the top management of atat he said there are two stages and they were having a different problem he addressed that first he said to remove what is causing harm but then start working in the process and start making it a better version of the process itself but then he ended up calling it control so people started you know the terminology i think restricted the whole thing which which is which is fair you know that way you know yeah. like when you temper like pareto chart it pareto principle itself exactly actually nothing to do with pareto apart exactly. from employing <laughs> the principle to bed and and many other even pdca started at pdsa so uh, yeah. so there are many such things but nitel you want to add to the question interesting one yeah yeah i think i you have already you know uh, you know stolen my words actually that there is a durand uh, trilogy and this talks about quality planning then quality control and then quality improvement but of course quality planning comes to control and uh, you know verification is just one part of it so that you can reflect now when improve basically what you would need to understand because we are talking about now currently whatever problems that we have encountered during the control or during the detection phase we are trying to improve so this is already the harm has already occurred okay so on those things we are talking about so the best tool will be for improvement is definitely root cause analysis and there are many ways to do the root cause analysis right and then of course after doing the root cause analysis you have to as anshuman mentioned you have to take the corrective actions on a on an ongoing basis actually unfortunately people don't go to the root cause and they just work on the symptoms and then they just think that it will go away actually and then the symptom comes again actually because people don't act on the root cause but that's the whole you know idea of quality improvement and which is there since durand's time and it's still applicable today i think if we can all take one lesson from quality all the quality text that is available to us i would always say it is the concept of root cause analysis that you go for why is something going wrong rest of everything falls into place and even in life as well if we and i do a little bit of career coaching as well and i keep asking why why are you thinking this way why are you where you are 
So this has been an exciting episode. But before it ends, I want to remind everybody that Nitin is very active on LinkedIn as well. And if you want to reach out to him, you can, of course, follow him there. And he will you know, take time to answer your questions as well. And if you do need uh, services from his organization, do reach out to the organization. He has a very active website as well. All information available on his profile. I would strongly recommend that you follow him. And if you do have some more love left, then Balaji and I are also open to being followed. <laughs> that is because we are trying to spread this word you know, around quality and the quality profession. And any love is actually welcome. But Balaji, I'll let you quickly ask your question, which you are very fond of. Yeah. Yes, I am very fond of this. Uh, sir, you just mentioned at the beginning itself that one of the books that you always refer to is, you know, Juran's Quality Handbook, right? Yeah. Are there any other books that, that's both like, like a Bible, like a reference book, which I think all of us, we, you know, it's one book, I think we, by osmosis, we feel it should be slept upon so that it goes into our head. But <laughs> are there any books that you would recommend, you know, of course, this handbook will be there. It's a part of our desk, but any books that you would like to recommend, you know, with which actually either changed your thinking or maybe you feel is the with the pointed towards the future of what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. So definitely the handbook of Duran is, the, you know, is one very important book and I always uh, use this and keep reading actually. Now recently what I'm reading, I would, and I also feel this is something, you know, which should, people should read is The Principle of Cost of Quality by Jack Campanella. This is published by ASQ American Society yeah, for Quality. Yeah. yeah. And this is a very fantastic book, uh, which explains because most of the people still may not have idea about those four parts of cost of quality. How do you capture cost of quality? How do you report cost of quality? How do you define the elements and all that stuff? Because if you learn this, you know, how to convert quality into cost. Now the voice of quality will be heard. The voice of quality will not be ignored. So that's one important book I would like to recommend. And as you know, know that I was emphasizing on this quality by design. I'm currently reading this world-class quality by Kiki Bote. This is also mainly on kind of design of experiments and stuff like that, but in I mean, the shining methods of design. Anyway, I think Anshuman also mentioned something on LinkedIn about this pre-control uh, charts rather than you know, control charts. And I, I, I love that actually, because I was that time reading those, uh, that book only actually. So maybe Anshuman can also tell his experience about those, some of the content of that book actually. So these are the books uh, I think I would learn. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the control chart, of course, you know, since you brought up, uh, uh, has, has had some controversy around it as being not too accurate and stuff. But the purpose it was introduced was to have a simpler approach. And of course, the purists have had their view. But it is useful in some situations. But obviously, like all tools, there are limitations to it. Yes. But it is a fantastic tool. And Shine-In methods, many of the methods are, uh, I met, you know, Shine-In, Duran Shine-In's son a few times and fantastic principles. In India, Bosch is using quite a bit of that. So with that, we will end the show. And, you know, I will, I can only thank you and, you know, to giving us time and of course, sharing a lot of experience that you have and being generous with your time and uh, anecdotes. So, so thank you very much. Thank you, Nithal and our wonderful guest. So Nithal, one request, some, quite a few questions I could not bring into the show for lack of time. So whenever you have some time and you can go and check yeah. the line on the LinkedIn and uh, quick reminder to everybody that go check Nithal's uh, profile on LinkedIn and the lovely work that he's doing along with his team. 
So thank you once again, and I'll end the show with this. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.